Come join the zone in ARUP Friday, August 9th from 10 to 3 at ARUP at 9786 South, 500 West in Sandy. Come save a life and donate some blood. It only takes 30 minutes, and you'll receive a Megaplex gift card, popcorn voucher, and jazz gear. We're joined now by Jay Drew, BYU beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys. So the Cougars, the countdown to the uh, Utah game to open things up. Does it feel like the team and the players are focused on the big rivalry game to open things up? Or is the uh, the first four games, the first third of the schedule, so mammoth that it feels like they're taking that on all at once? You know, I I think they're really focused on on the Utah game. I mean, that's the one you hear them talk about the most. Uh, that's the one that uh, in the spring they broke the huddle, you know, saying they beat Utah. Um, they do reference those other games. And uh, Zach Wilson, I think, specifically is, has probably been the most prevalent player that's uh, referenced the, you know, all the games. But, uh, yeah, there, it's, it, it's definitely different than years past because Utah is the opening opponent. It's, you can kind of tell that right off that, um, that, that that's kind of uh, where they're all pointed at and where they're all headed to. So, um, you know, I think if, if the closer it gets, they'll probably start kind of saying, you know, the more other, you know, the whole entire schedule is a, a priority. But but as of, you know, the first two practices that we've been able to, to attend, or at least the tail end of the first two practices, um, it's all, it's been a lot about Utah for sure. Will Zach Wilson have any limitations in that first game? You know, they say he won't. Um I don't think he will either by just watching the little bits uh, that we've been able to watch and uh, by hearing him talk. Uh, Friday, Kalani said something to the effect that um, he is on a pitch count. They have it all mapped out, all planned out, how much he'll do every day leading up to that first game. And by the first game, they think if all goes according to plan, that he will be able to be 100% and make all the throws and do everything they ask him to do. A lot of what they keep harping on is his conditioning level, more so than maybe his arm condition or his arm strength. Just getting back into football playing shape. You know, he hasn't been able to to uh, do some of the you know running and some of the things that maybe some of the other players have done. So um, that to them, that's as important as as the arm strength. I think. How good is that offensive line going to be in front of him, especially going against the used defensive line in the opener? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I they've certainly got the the pieces in place. Um, they're still, you know, looking for a left tackle. Uh, um, they every year though we kind of go down this path where we say, "Wow, this looks like a pretty good offensive line," and then and then it turns out to be, you know, pretty mediocre, um, maybe, but. They certainly they have the talent there. Um, they've got the returning starters back. There's a few holes to fill, like I just mentioned. Um, but so far, so good. I think Jeff Grimes is doesn't really dole out a lot of uh, praise, and he seems to be pretty happy so far with, with what he's seen. I haven't been able to talk to the offensive line coach yet in the, uh, in the two media availability sessions we've had, but uh, hopefully I'll get that done tonight. But 
Um, for the most part, I think they're optimistic, but I'm put, put me in the kind of the skeptical corner right now, just because we've kind of seen this before and they haven't been quite as good as maybe they were billed in the preseason. How many yards when we get to the end of the season will the leading rusher have? I, I would say 700. I, I still think that there's not the one guy that they're going to put it all on, like a Jamal Williams type or Curtis Brown or uh, somebody like that, Harvey Younga. So I, I think they're going to still, maybe it won't be, you know, so-called by committee, you know, they won't be giving it to six different guys, but, but I think that it'll be spread out a little bit. Um, my guess is Lopini Katoa will still be the leading ball carrier, followed by Tyson Williams and then Emmanuel Asupka. But uh, I can't really see one guy carrying the ball, you know, that many times to get a thousand yards. So I would say around six, seven hundred yards. I thought with all the effort they put in getting him, that Tyson would be the guy. But you don't see it that way. Um, I just. You know, every time you bring it up, they just keep saying Lopini, you know, had such a great off season, and he was uh, he was our guy last year until he got hurt. And, and uh, they, you know, he's really versatile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. They seems like every time you kind of bring up, you know, that race, they they immediately point to to Lopini as kind of the you know the the main guy. So. Um, so I don't know. You would think so. I mean, if you just watch these guys, you can tell this uh, Tyson Williams is just a SEC type running back. Just his build, his burst, just you know everything about him. He just he looks like a big time running back. And so if they're you know they're uh, Katoa is going to have to be really good. That's what I'm saying it to keep this guy off the field because he he certainly looks the part. My thought for the Cougars is take the schedule in chunks, right? And we look at the first month of the season because it has the bigger names. Obviously, they have some other names at the end of the schedule with Boise and Utah State and San Jose State. I don't discount any of those teams. We'll put those off to the side for a second here, and we'll just go the first month. I think for them, the realistic goal is 2-2. Two and two. If they could find a way to come out of that schedule and that portion of it, 2-2, two and two, well, it'd be in a good spot to have what would be considered a successful season. I think that they have a good chance, and you know, to what the degree remains to be seen, but a decent enough chance to come out two and two. Am I up in the night? No, I think that's realistic. Um, if you, you know, if you ask me, I would probably say, you know, I would p- predict that they would go one and three, but. But I think they can go two and two, and I think they would take two and two in a heartbeat if you say, you know, if you said uh, you're going to go two and two with Tennessee, USC, Washington, and Utah. I, I think there's a little bit of a danger maybe in putting all their eggs in one basket, and that being the Utah basket. And if they don't beat Utah, what's that going to do to them mentally? Um, because as we mentioned before, all the talk and about beating Utah and getting revenge for the loss last November and all that. And, uh, you know, what happens if they do lose that game? What, where is their mental state knowing they put so much time and effort into that game? Um, that'll be interesting to see, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think they would take two and two in a heartbeat. And I think it's doable. I, I know there'll be underdogs in all four of those games, but I, you know, I think they can get Tennessee. I think they might be able to get USC, um, Utah, you know, obviously past history. No, I don't think anybody's going to 
say that that's a, a game they should win because uh, just, Utah just has their number. I mean, I've, I've watched all eight of them, and it's just kind of amazing that they just don't get it done when in crunch time against the Utes. So until proven otherwise, I'm going to say that's a, a very hard game to win. So two and two right now would be a, a pretty good start. In fact, I think I think that would be a type of start where they could maybe use that momentum and, and do better the second, you know, the remaining eight games of the season. We know what Kalani's defense has looked like when he was at Utah. We know about the Kyle Whittingham style, and Kalani was there forever. He's been trying to build something like that at the Y. How close has he gotten? He just hasn't been able to get the defensive lineman that can put the pressure on the quarterback without you know bringing pressure from the linebackers. Um, Corbin Kafusi was okay. Uh, Kyrus Tonga can kind of get a push up the middle, but they, for some reason they just haven't been able to get pressure on quarterbacks with their down four like like Utah has been able to do. I don't know if that's personnel, a scheme, whatever. And then uh, and then they'll kind of get conservative when they when that doesn't happen. Then they uh, will get pretty conservative and kind of drop back into the bend, don't break type of defense. But but uh, yeah, I I can't put my finger on it other than just saying they just don't have the quality of players that that Utah has had or has now among that you know among those front four defenders to, to just to generate their own pass rush. Then the linebacking crew is going to have to come up pretty doggone big, and they've had some NFL guys here. Collection of talent. Maybe they don't have the NFL guy, but do they have the collection of talent that will be competitive? Yeah, I think they've got some some good talent there. It's really young. Uh, I wrote the other day that you know they're obviously looking to replace Taki Taki, kind of find a middle linebacker, and kind of who's who's in the running. But they've got. Zane Anderson, if he's healthy, is you know is going to kind of play that spot that Fred Warner played, the flash linebacker. They got Isaiah Kafusi on the other side, who's really good and got hurt in the Utah game, and that kind of really really hurt him in the Utah game, which showed his value. Um, but in the middle, where is where they really need to find somebody. They got Jackson Kafusi uh, is there. They moved Kavika Fanua, the running back, who's been injured most of his career. That he's Probably right now, I would say the front runner to to be the middle linebacker, the starter. Um, they got some other guys, Max Tooley and Peyton Wilgar, but but that's definitely the hole is in that middle linebacker spot where where you could see they're they're pr- probably vulnerable, and that's not good when you're probably facing Zach Moss on that first you know that opener because uh, everyone knows what he can do. So that's definitely where they got to find a guy, if you ask me. Jay Drew joining us, covers BYU for the Salt Lake Tribune. So BYU is going to be seeing experienced quarterbacks in the first couple of games, and then they're going to be seeing a uh, team that USC is redoing the offense, but it's supposed to be air raid-ish, throwing the ball all over the place. Uh, then a Washington team who really dominated them. Do you think the secondary can handle the load they're about to face as a group? Yeah, I think the secondary is pretty good. It's one of the better secondaries. Uh, we learned Friday that Dion Gonwoloku is probably moving to corner. He was a standout safety last year. That tells me they're pretty confident in Austin Lee and some of their other safeties they have. 
uh, Austin Consensus and and others. And then uh, they've got a little problem at corner because of injuries. Chris Wilcox hasn't practiced yet. Um, he was injured last year, and Troy Warner has a, a foot injury that he hasn't. I haven't seen him out there yet. So um, then they lost Trevion Green, transferred. Um, kind of a fifth year transfer they lost him so yeah they're they're uh you know they're not maybe coming out of spring maybe we thought they'd be a little deeper than they are but but they definitely have some uh some playmakers isaiah heron is another name that's been pretty good in practice and malik moore so i think the talent is there and i think we're seeing that with the with that they're thinking they can move some guys around to get the the best four on the field um, but uh, as far as past, you know, BYU defensive backfields, I think if you look at those, I think this one is compares favorably, uh, maybe one of the better ones they've had in quite some time. What do you got as Kalani's job status going forward? Yeah, that's kind of tricky. Uh, most schools, you know, I've kind of did a little research over the summer. Most schools. When, a coach, when they want to re-sign a coach who's going in, they do it when he's going into the second to last year of his deal, which Kalani is doing. So uh, obviously we didn't hear anything this summer, no extension or anything. So um, BYU tends to do things differently. That's what kind of Tom Homo's response has been when we've asked him. Um, maybe that's saying, hey, we wait until, you know, the – the final year when the guy's going into the final year of his contract before we renegotiate, which I assume they did with Bronco. So it's kind of hard to really say what they're thinking, but but I I guess I would say if if he doesn't go to a bowl game this year, if he doesn't uh, have a you know a six and six regular season record or better. I think he would definitely be on the hot seat. I think you can say that pretty safely. So um, that's kind of, I guess, where kind of a long answer to. to I think uh, I think he's probably safe this year, but who knows? It's just you just it's hard to predict what BYU does, as you guys know. Jay Drew, join us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. How do you think that impacts Kalani as far as? Hmm. If it's really that, I don't know. If it's the, if it's that dicey or looking to move, and you got to have a good enough season to move. But if you do, does it make you a little less willing to stay in place because you're being asked to take on this big time schedule right out of the gate, and you had to wait when you wanted an extension? Yeah, he's. I don't know how it's going to affect him as far as his just his attitude and his uh, you know mental preparation and all that. I. He just seems like a, a pro's pro to me as far as he'll just – a guy that's just not going to worry about that sort of thing. He's just going to you know, put his nose to the grindstone and, and be optimistic and say that things will work out. That's just what I get from him. He doesn't seem like the type of guy who would be offended or brood over uh, you know, this perceived you know, kind of slap in the face um, that he's not getting that extension. So that's just my read on the situation. I, you know, obviously could be wrong, but he just seems like the type of guy that he's just going to give a 100% effort until they tell him that he no longer can. How was your off season, Jay? Did you bulk up? Was it a good one? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I went on a cruise to Alaska. That was good. Sweet. Got to go to the U.S. Open and watch Tony Finau play. So, yeah, it was a good offseason. As far as the uh, the physical, uh, I pretty much stayed the same. So, yeah. Well, at least N- you didn't regress. Nothing report, Pat. Okay, well. What's that? At least you didn't regress because I've been worried about you. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've pretty much uh, lost a little weight last year and then kind of kept it off, so. All's good on that front. Good for you. I tried to lose weight after you called me fat last year. <laughs> yeah, I think you did a good job. Thank you. I haven't seen you in a while, but from all reports I get, you're, you're doing well. <laughs> all reports. You got eyes on Kinahan, huh? I've got my people out there watching. <laughs> people. All right, Jay, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys. Have a great day.